Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. My guest today is co host Hiro Boga, and we are going to talk about love and why love is the real basis of all transformation. And we're going to talk about loving yourself and listening to yourself. We will be all talking about unconditional love and practicing the returns and what does love mean? And Hero's going to share with her, you, what love means to her, as well as take us through a really powerful exercise she uses with her clients. So stay tuned and I will circle back after my conversation with Hero. Thank you so much for listening. Hero, hello and welcome back. Hi, Corin. Nice to talk to you again. So lovely. Hi. So today I wanted to talk with you about love. And before we got on with the recording, you had asked, well, why? And what was, I can't remember exactly your question, but, it, you know, what was I thinking? And so, and this I know for a lot of my listeners and for myself, but that, Love is a word that um, I struggled with for a long time. And and then for a long time, I was able to learn to love um, my husband, right, and my children. And over the last five years, I think I've really allowed myself to love my friends and love my work. And so I've been working on opening up and allowing my heart to go there. I think I was, I had a lot of armor up to protect it. And so I wanted to talk to you about love. And in one of your blog posts, which I'll have in the uh, the show notes, you talk about the real basis of all transformation is love. Mm-hmm. And then you have another post, what you love loves you, what you want wants you. I said that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's amazing what comes out of my mouth. <laughs> well, and I think that was what I was so afraid about with love. Because what if I really loved someone or something or my business or my show? And what mm. if the love didn't come back? So for me, it was a way of not loving something, not caring too much. Because I think when I care, that's when the storms come through. Yeah, I mean, when we care, we open ourselves up. When we love, we open ourselves up to the unknown. You know, it's not, there's no guarantees that what you love isn't going to turn around and bite you uh, or that what that who and what you love is going to love you back. But the thing about, the thing that I know about love and I know very little, honestly. It seems to me that this is the great 
adventure that we're all on. You know, we're here on this earth in this incarnation to discover how to be expressions of the love that is the very ground of our being. And so what that means on a practical level, I mean, people talk about unconditional love and I want to love unconditionally. I want to be loved unconditionally. Well, there's no such thing and there's always unconditional love. I mean, we we live in both those realities, you know, because we are incarnate souls then on a soul level the very nature of our being is love. So to go looking for it outside of ourselves or to say, I want to be loved, I want to love, is to create a separation that doesn't exist. And when we have some kind of practice that returns us to that inner connection with our souls, then we are love and we know it and we experience it and we feel it and it changes our whole physiology. You know, I mean, you can sit and, and, and connect with your soul and your breath might be really jagged when you start. And by the time you've entered into that communion, uh, you're breathing deeply, your mind is, is soft, your heart is soft. Uh, you're in uh, the basic truth of life, which is that we are love and we live and have our being in a field of love and that everything around us is love expressing itself in multiple forms, whether those forms are, you know, I'm looking out my window, whether it's the rain or the window itself or the roofs of houses or the trees outside or the birds flying flying through the clouds. Uh, all of these forms that that surround us and, and including ourselves are expressions of the one love that brings us here. You know, it's love that brings us into this world. The love of your parents for each other. It's your love as a soul for this earth and for that brings you here, that makes you willing to come into what is a painful and complicated planet, but also a beautiful and magical planet. So love is who we are. But that's, un and that love is completely unconditional. It, it exists in the realm of unconditionality in which our expanded souls have their being, you know. It exists in that realm of essence and unity where you and I are one and for us to talk about a you and an I makes no sense in that realm. But we don't just live in that realm. We also live in our lives. We live in our incarnate selves in this three-dimensional world and we choose that not because we stumble into it accidentally or we're making up for past karma or we're trying to get enlightened fast so we can get out of the cycle of incarnation. We choose incarnation because this, because we love this earth, because we love humanity, because we have chosen this role 
and we've chosen this path as a way of growing and learning and bringing more of that love that we are into the world. And it's a challenging path. I mean, I just spent... Oh, I, I, you know, I'll give you two very different little stories to illustrate my own challenges with it. Um, as I was telling you earlier, I just came back from three weeks in Germany and I had taken my daughter-in-law with me. So the two of us were together a lot. I mean, we had, you know, we had adjoining hotel rooms. We spent a lot of time together. We also spent time apart. You know, we we have a nice rhythm of, of needing our own space and then needing connection and, and community and, and, and that relationship with each other. And through the three weeks that we spent together, I didn't know how it was going to go. I didn't know if we would be clawing each other's eyes out by the end of the three weeks together, you know. But we became the best of friends, and and it was so easy for us to be together. Um, we both learned a lot from each other. You know, she's 29, and I'm 67, and there's almost 40 years between us. Um, but I learned a lot from who she is, and she learned a lot from who I am. Uh, and together we created something that delighted both of us and enhanced both our experiences. You know, it would not have been the same trip without her. Um, it doesn't mean that now that we're back, you know, we're in each other's pockets or anything. It's not like that. This, but there's a basic love and trust and ease and playfulness that... Um, that was there, but but was there much more in a much more tenuous and abstract way when we just saw each other, you know, once a week or um, on holidays and that kind of thing. So there's something about proximity um, and just being together in our day-to-day rhythms. I think that allows us on that human level to start to express and understand what love is, you know, that how we, how we express love allows us to grow beyond our own selfishness, um, but it also allows us to become more fully ourselves. So as we delight in somebody else's life, uh, it enhances our own. And, and we experience that in a very visceral kind of tangible way. And we experience the blessing of that, which is that blessing of human love. But if you're bringing into that relationship your projections, your anxieties, your insecurities, your fears, um, all of which arise in relationships if you haven't um, if you haven't made peace with those aspects of yourself those inner conflicts inside yourself then those conflicts carry over into whatever relationships you're in and then love becomes very fraught you know it becomes a painful thing so the other story I was going to tell you was of an old friend who 
I spent some time with came to visit me um, after I'd returned from Germany. And um, because that trip was transformative for me, as most things are, because I'm open to transformation, then when I came back, it, it, it really upset her idea of who I am. And when she came to visit, it was a really hard visit. It was very difficult. And, and I found myself shutting down in the face of what felt like, like aggressive projections about who I'm supposed to be. Um, and I kept asking myself, okay, you know, I wasn't trying to force myself not to shut down, but I kept asking myself the question, am I willing to love her as she is? And and what does that mean? And how do I do that in a way that doesn't include shutting my heart to myself? Um, so... What I found for myself was that in that situation, I could take her in very small doses and I could speak when I was able to about how I was feeling when she, you know, projected something on me that didn't fit me at all. Uh, But I also wasn't like it didn't feel like a safe situation to go into a whole thing about, you know, um, it wasn't going to be a therapy session. I didn't need to do that. I just needed to be true to my own feelings, to speak when I felt safe enough to do so and comfortable to do so, and to love her as best I could in that situation and also not to invite her to come stay with me for a very long time. <laughs> 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 that all of those things have to be okay. And that is conditional love because we live in our human lives. We're living in a conditioned world. We live in a world of boundaries. We live in a world that is defined by boundaries. So as that essence of unconditional love that we all are, enters into the world of form, it immediately enters a container, whether that container is your body or your life or your home or, uh, you know, the world around you. Every single form of life on this planet is defined by boundaries. And so we're always in, in relationship with ourselves, with each other, with the world in which we live, we are coming from both that boundary place where we are unique and we are individuals and we honor that individuality. We honor what makes us ourselves. We honor our feelings without allowing them to run us. We honor our discernment. We honor our choices. We honor our minds. We honor our desires. But none of these things exist in the same way in that unconditioned realm, you know? So we have to know how to do both. And for me, it's like in one situation, there wasn't such a discontinuity in some ways. There wasn't such a 
dividing line between the unconditional love that I felt for my daughter-in-law and then the conditions of our relationship. You know, there was an ease and a flow there, and it's largely because we both have similar personalities, similar rhythms, similar needs for um, for sovereignty and connection. And in the other, there wasn't that that flow and that continuity, and it was difficult. And the reality is that, you know, we face every day um, not just people, but situations, you know, work situations, uh, situations at home, situations within ourselves with our own health or our own um, growth or whatever it is, where that discontinuity creates tension and friction. And I think that that's the place where we can, you know, pause and go, how can I be both and? Can I love myself in this situation, in this relationship enough to be true to myself? And I can, I, can I love the situation or the work or the person or the place enough to let it or him or her be themselves without, you know, without trying to change anything? Because change can only come first from that place of just being willing to hold all the contradictions in a spacious heart. So as you're talking about this, can I love myself in this situation to be true to myself? Uh, Within the last six months in a work situation, I have uh, to work with somebody who, it's not a client, but this is in a different situation, where they have some power over me because... They are a gatekeeper in its in mm-hmm. essence. And I get off the phone and I slam down the phone. I'm like, he is such an idiot. And I took a deep breath and I said, my job, he is my teacher. My job is to learn to love him. This is, he is somebody who continuously makes mistakes. There is a cost to me, but he also has access to a thing that I need. And so how do I learn to work with him? And, and I, and I, my, so that was my way of saying, and so my short version of that is, it is my job to learn to love him, not to be in love with him, not to have loving affection with him. But when I think of him as an idiot, and right now I can feel it in my body, there's so much tension. But when I can say my job is to learn to love him and know that he will make mistakes, right? And it will cause me more work. But in the end, that's the mess to get the end result that I want in this particular circumstance, right? And so when you talk yeah. about love, I mean, I think that's kind of, wouldn't that be an example of mm-hmm. loving yourself and maybe loving the situation? It's not a situation we want to be in, mm-hmm. but it's how we use love. Tell me where I'm wrong. Um, you're not wrong at all. I think the, the, the thing is there are complexities within that. You know, you have to, it's holding the both and holding, I love myself and the most effective way for me to bring this, to, 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 to stay in that, 
in that space of love, which is not a feeling. Love is not a feeling. It is a quality of soul. But we experience it with a feeling sense. So like you said, you know, when you were thinking, well, this guy's an idiot. You could feel the tension in your body. <laughs> and then when you said, it's my job to love him, that tension began to release. So if I want to stay healthy and I want to stay in a field of love, then it just makes sense. I mean, it's reasonable and it behooves me to approach this differently. It doesn't mean that I lose the awareness that this person acts in a totally idiotic manner sometimes and that, and that the way that he is acting affects me, um, you know, and, and has a cost. Mm-hmm. Because if you're, not, if you're not conscious of that cost, then you begin to abandon yourself. And there comes a time when, you know, you can love that person and, and you still make the choice that the cost is too high and you're going to walk away. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can walk away loving that person's soul, loving their essence, loving their vulnerabilities, loving their beauty and their strength, but not but loving yourself enough to say, I'm not going to let this person's craziness run my life. You know, that if this is a, I, I mean, I don't know the situation and I don't know this person, but it seems to me you started this, this you know, you started your story by saying this person has power over me because they are a gate, he's a gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. And what, for me, anytime I feel like somebody has power over me, I have to stop and ask myself, is that really true? They have power in this situation. Where is my power in this relationship? Mm. And my power in any relationship is always going to come from my soul. It's always going to come from me connecting with my soul because power is simply the active form of love. So it's another form that love takes. Uh, And if I don't access it within myself, then there's always going to be a kind of um, tension within that relationship because I have framed it as this person has power over me. But if I am sitting in my soul, then I know that I, that nobody has power over me. Mm-hmm. This person has power in this situation. They are a gatekeeper in this situation. But there are many ways that I can approach. If I decide that I need to stay in the situation because it gives me this, this, and this, and I will do it for a period of time because I know that the life I am creating is a life that's filled with love, that's filled with, with people who understand that, that and, and honor their own sovereignty and power and my sovereignty and power. And if I'm in situations where that isn't happening, then they're not viable situations for me. You know, I can, I can if I can bring a, a clearer, stronger, energy as you were talking about of love into that 
and and watch it transform. That's one thing. But if I've tried and it hasn't worked, there comes a time when I have to love myself enough to walk away from that. And in the meantime, if I'm saying, okay, I'm giving myself a period of one year, maybe you say, you know, this is a job. I need the job. I've got kids in school. I've got to take care of them. Um, and I have a plan in place for how I'm going to exit from here, then you know you've taken your power back. That person is only, it's not really a gatekeeper because they're not keeping the gate to your future. Mm-hmm. You have the gate to your future. Uh, and then you can, there are many things you can do. You can always go to the realm of the unconditioned and summon love from there. Like you can connect and I've, you know, I've done this before where I've been in situations where it was, I was with, you know, around people that were painful to be around and I could tune into their soul and ask their soul because their soul is love too. They may have turned their back on their soul. They may not even know or care that their soul exists, but that is their first relationship and you can tune into his soul and say, Hey, hi, you know, I love you. You love me. You love this this incarnate self that that is this person who is making my life really difficult because he's kind of blind to this, this, and this pattern that he's running. Um, please help. Can you help? Can you get his attention? And of course, your soul is always willing and waiting, and it will call for your attention. You always have the freedom to turn your back on it, to say no. So he has the freedom to ignore his soul, but if you ask soul for help, often things will change. They may not change in the long run because you know they may change and then change back, but you will see the difference both in that person, in yourself, and also in the relationship between you. So you can always call on that. You know, I um, people talk about going through the airport and air, airport security and what an awful experience that is and how they get this happens and that happens. And honestly, it has never happened to me. And I'm not, you know, I'm not kind of going to jinx the gods <laughs> of, of, <laughs> of the TSA. But... It's because I carry this field of love with me and I look at these people and I think, wow, they have a really hard job. Mm -hmm. They're working for an organization that cuts off the connection between them and their souls. And they're working for an organization that tries to protect through this huge scrim of of rules and, and, and fear and aggression. Uh, and yet there is a deva of the TSA, just as there is a deva of everything. So I always tune in, like I just tune into the deva of the TSA, I tune into, and I don't, it's not a, like, it's not like step one, step two, step three, it all happens simultaneously for me at this stage, you know? But if you're, if you're thinking about how you can, how you can develop that practice for yourself, practice seeing the soul in everything and everyone and addressing that and at the same time honoring the fact that each 
person makes an individual choice and you cannot control that choice. And that choice may be really toxic for you. And if it is, you've got to get the hell away. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Mm-hmm. As, as you're talking about this, I, in one of the reasons I choose love, right? And you're right. Everything you said about the gatekeeper and the power. And, and when I get into that place, I feel weak. And when I'm, when I'm in a place of love, I can be resourceful and I can think about, okay, what are the choices that I want to make? And uh-huh. the other thing that I've noticed with my interactions with him is that my go-to defense, and part of it's probably just my own armor with love, is if he puffs up, I just puff up and match him, which is not at all a powerful way to work through anything because it's just a good way to get two people really pissed fast. Yeah, and it's also what it does is that it strengthens, it allows him to set the energy in your relationship, Mm -hmm. right? So if he sets an energy of puffing up and you puff up in return, you are matching his energy and you are strengthening that field of puff up or or Mm -hmm. (laughs) whatever the word is for it. But if somebody comes in puffed up and you are bringing a clearer, stronger energy, whether it's sovereignty or love or clarity or purpose, all of which are forms of love, they're all, uh, you know, they're all soul qualities. If you bring that clearer, stronger energy into the situation, then you are setting the because always in any situation the clearest, strongest energy prevails. So you transform the situation simply by bringing and holding a clearer, stronger energy, which is easier said than done. You know, it takes it takes practice in the sense of it takes a daily practice of immersing yourself in those soul qualities of of developing your capacity to hold them and at the same time developing your boundaries so that you can hold a boundary to feel when you're in the face of of something that that doesn't honor your boundaries you know that 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 seeks damage or that seeks divisiveness um yeah those are really good points. I I want to circle back um, something else that you said that I think is really important before we get too far ahead is about with your friend who came back mm-hmm. to visit you after you mm-hmm. returned from your trip and you said you're open to transformation and she is not. And I I think sometimes we get stuck with, we have these longtime friendships, these relationships mm-hmm. and thinking that we should share with them because at one point they may have earned, as Brene Brown will say, they've earned the right to hear my story. Mm-hmm. But as we evolve and sometimes we'll outgrow relationships, they may not have earned the right to hear some of our stories anymore. Yeah. And, and I totally, you're absolutely right. And I, and I think by you by you talking about this has given the listeners so much permission because sometimes we get stuck of, well, this has been my friend for 20 years, even though it may not feel safe inside to disclose this, but we do 
out of a sense of obligation instead of a sense of love or connection with this person and with ourselves. Yeah. It, it, it's so, I find that, you know, love for ourselves has to include love for our own truth. It has to be grounded in truth. You can't shoot yourself into loving somebody. You can't shoot yourself into into being open when it's not safe to be open. Um, and for me, I can't do it. Like, I just shut down in those situations. I don't know that that's necessarily the best thing to do. It is what I feel. I feel silenced. And I honor that. And I just let myself feel that until I can create internally enough of a feeling of presence and power and safety and to be able to exercise my discernment. And then, you know, I will be receptive up to a certain point. There's something I want to say, going back to, to something you said at the beginning of this piece of our conversation, when you said, you know, your friend came and, and you, were, you, know, you were open to transformation. She was not. But the reality is that we're all, you know, we're not fixed entities, right? It's not that she's not open to transformation. Mm-hmm. I'm open to transformation. It's that... It's that in aspects of our lives, we may be more or less open, more or less willing uh, to enter into the vulnerability of change because mm-hmm. change is always a vulnerable thing. And and we all have these places in us where we're blind to aspects of what drives our behavior. You know, so in her case, there is this part of so I don't assume that so what anyway what ha- ended up happening I don't assume that she's not open to transformation what I do is look for a place where we can connect because it's not safe to connect on this level mm-hmm. and it's clearly that's really clear to me so she is uh, an artist and a photographer, and so I asked about her art. And when she began talking about her art, then there's that flow where her soul can come in, and in, and and she can, you know, inhabit her own creative joy. And so that we could have, we could have a conversation there without all that aggression. Uh, that just, for me, just felt, feels like a really unsafe place to be. Um, so we did do that, but it also meant, you know, you're right, making that discernment. This person wasn't thinking about it in terms of she hasn't owned the right. It was just like, no, you know. But but you're right, that is really what it is. It's like saying, you know what? You're not a person I can talk to about this. And then so this, we will talk about this instead. Mm-hmm. And that's such an important discernment mm-hmm. because it still can be authentic conversations, but knowing what can what is safe where you can create connection and what arena may not be safe and actually creates disconnection. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, because it disconnects you from yourself. If you are not honoring your own alarm bells, you know, you're disconnecting from your soul because your soul expresses it. I mean, your your life, your body, these are all expressions of your soul. Your body is made of the same stuff as your soul. It's not different from your soul. It just, you know, it just expresses itself differently. And your, so your body knows. I remember one time I'd gone for a walk um, in a place that I used to go all the time. It was this beautiful little marsh where um, in the spring the birds would be flocking in there and laying their eggs and building nests. And and I just loved that walk and I loved going there in the springtime. And I parked my car, uh, got onto the path, onto the trail, and this guy came towards me on a bicycle and everything in me just went, get back to the car. And I didn't. I thought, you know, just love him. And he's just another person riding a bike. And I said, hello. And he said, hello. But everything in me prickled. And this was many years ago when I didn't trust myself quite enough and I would shit on myself. And by the time I got back to my car, he had broken into my car and stolen my laptop from the trunk of the car, uh, stolen my purse. You know? mm. it, was just, it was such a lesson in honoring what your embodied soul knows. Because when you don't honor that, you really abandon your soul and you abandon yourself. And, and then you can't trust yourself anymore, you know? That trusting yourself is so important. Mm-hmm. And trust is always built on experience. The more that you experience yourself as trustworthy because you follow your intuition, you pay attention to the promptings of your soul, the more you trust yourself. And the more you trust yourself, the easier it becomes to trust your discernment about other people, which makes it a lot easier to love them because you know how far you can go, you know where you can be receptive, you know where you need to hold boundaries. You know those things and you act on them. Like you did with your friend. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of, it was messy, you know, it wasn't, it was not, it was not clean, it was messy. But that's the nature of, of you know, love in the conditioned realm. But I think that's an important con- um, point, is that it is messy. Yeah, it, 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 it's it, totally messy. Because I, I, I think we think people than a toddler with a bowl of spaghetti. <laughs> it, it it is messy, especially when you're going upon a new territory or a relationship that is changing and evolving. That it does get messy. I think we so often think that, oh, if this were right, it wouldn't be messy. But the path there can be messy. It's not the simple line from A to B. It can be very messy. And that's okay. Yeah. It is okay. And it depends on the nature of your of your commitments, you know? I mean, if, you, if we're talking about your children, for example... You're not going to walk away from them just because they're in their terrible twos and they're driving you insane 
or they're in their teens and they're driving you insane or you're driving them insane. I mean, it, it's just the, the, you know, the contract that you have made mm-hmm. is to see them through to adulthood. Um, and yet there are parent-child relationships that are so toxic that the only way that one or the other of them survives is by saying, this is the point where I say no more, where I love, where I cannot abandon myself past this point. So it's really messy and really painful to come to those places. You know, I mean, I've worked with clients for almost 40 years now and and I've seen people go through so much. I've been through so much myself, but you have to know what the nature of your contract is with that person and you have to be willing for that contract to change when it's time for it to change. I, I think the thing that destroys love and the possibility of connection is so much of the time is simply not understanding that the other person is a person, that they're not simply a conglomerate of your projections and desires. Because if you don't understand that, and people will always say, of course I understand that. I know this person is another person. I know that they are, you know, their own person. But in fact, they keep wanting to hold that person who is a constantly changing being. Uh, They want to fix them like a fly in amber, which means that you want to fix yourself like a fly in amber. You don't want anything to change. And if you don't want anything to change, you're fighting against the nature of love itself and you're fighting against reality. And that creates so much suffering and so much pain and it, it, it collapses the bridges that allow us to connect with each other and to meet in the middle of our very different realities, right? Mm-hmm. It's that 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 the essence of suffering. I mean, this is kind of paraphrasing the Buddha, but the essence of suffering is that desire to make reality repeatable. Well, you were this way yesterday, so you must be this way today. <laughs> I know who you are because. This is what I believe about you. And you can't be any different because then you're upsetting my notion of reality and I will fight you to the death to keep my version of reality alive. There's no love in that. Mm -hmm. And yet the potential for love is always there because that's who we are. But if we keep fighting to hold on to a fixed notion of each other, of ourselves, of the world around us, then we we shut the door on love because the nature of each of us and the nature of our reality is love. And if we're saying, no, it's not, this is not who you are, this is who you are, then you're slamming the door on love. So in our last few minutes together, as we wrap up the show, Hero, what 
does love mean to you? I don't know that I have an answer to that. Um, I want to say it means means paying attention. It means removing my projections mm-hmm. from person that I love or the place that I love or the situation that I love or the business that I love, being conscious of my projections, taking them back and simply and truly rejoicing in the nature of that person or that thing or that being as they are and wanting for them what they want for themselves and taking the long view. It really means taking the long view. You know, there's a there's an exercise that I don't know if we have time for this, but there is an exercise that um, I do with my students when I'm teaching, and that can be applied to love as it can be applied to anything, which is simply just to take a moment and and just close your eyes and you know, bring your awareness inside your own body behind your eyes and up a bit and tuning into your own breath being present in this moment and then imagine the word love out in front of you on it can be blazoned on a rock on a mountainside in the sky however you see it or however you imagine it it doesn't have to be a visual thing And then imagine that you are simply draining out of that word all of the projections, not just your own, but the projections that generations of humanity have placed on this word. The word has become almost meaningless, not because love isn't the greatest power in the universe, but because we have laid so many projections on it historically. So just imagine if you like you're getting out a vacuum cleaner and you're simply vacuuming off all of the projections that have been laid on this word. And you're doing that and cleansing it of everything that is not itself. It is a soul quality. It is itself. And as you do that, notice how you experience the presence of this word. As I said, it doesn't have to be visual. It can be simply a felt sense of what love feels like when you strip it of everything that is not itself. And then notice where you carry that energy inside of you, that quality of love, that essence of love within you, within your own body. So dropping your gaze down into the cavity of your body, 
experience that resonance that is the essence of love within you, within yourself, within your bones. And wherever you find that, just invite it to expand in your own body because your body is an expression of love, of this essence. And that, to me, is what love is. Wow. Wow. That was really good. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, you're so welcome. It's the simplest practice, but ultimately that's what we're here to do, you know, it's to clear out anything that clouds the essence of who we are and who we are relating to. Everything else is just noise. Mm-hmm. But as we said in the conditioned realm, we need to pay attention to how that noise affects us and make clear choices. So it's complicated. <laughs> and it's not Mm -hmm. it's both yeah thank you Corinne I always feel wow that's how I feel wow after I've talked with you I think you should rename your show wow (laughs) (laughs) well thank you (laughs) I I do enjoy talking (laughs) so yes i do enjoy talking with you and i'm so excited to we have some other interviews that we've done that are going to be slowly dripping out to my listeners and um there was a huge shout out on itunes for you as a guest for my longtime listener so thank you so much for taking this time and giving it to myself and to the listeners of the show i have so much gratitude thank you thank you for creating this incredible podcast, this place for for exploring truth and complication and essence and simplicity and everything with such um, generosity. Thank you, Corinne. Thank you. Until next time. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'm circling back. Wasn't that just a lovely conversation with Hero? So I opened the show up with the real basis of all transformation is love. And I hope from this show, from this ins- this interview I did with Hero, to understand when we talked about power and that love is power, and when you can love yourself, how that can transform relationships even with difficult people. And it can transform our friendships. It can transform Um, long-term relationships like she talked about with her daughter-in-law, who she's known since she was a teenager, but how this trip, being together for uh, several weeks, and how that transformed. So the real basis of all transformation is love. And just like that other quote that I wrote, and these will be up on the show notes, is what you love, loves you. What you want, wants you. I don't know about you, but that scares the crap out of me. What I want wants me because don't those shame gremlins come in and say, ha ha, really? 
And that's that part of the vulnerability of where I didn't want to love because I was afraid. What if they didn't love me? Or what if feelings weren't reciprocal? But what I know now is the cost to not love is too much. So I love and I love my husband and I love my children and I love my friends and I love my radio show and I love my aqua monsters. And my aqua monsters are in some ways a great teacher because I do. I love those kids. And I love a lot of the families and some of the families I like, but I love the kids. I love the monster program. And sometimes it's not even one being, but I just love them without them even be, ever being obligated to love me back. And I own that and it's so freeing. And to be able to love people without them having to love you back for me has been freedom where I can show up and be me and just love. And I do know because of my own experience and then also those of my clients, that love's really tricky, right? We have, as Hero said, and we try to vacuum, you know, she wanted us to vacuum up all these things that we attach to love. So I know that if I tell a friend I love you and they can't say it back, it may have nothing to do with me. Because I can tell you this, when one of my girlfriends started teaching me love with a friendship, and every time we would get off the phone, she'd say, I love you, Corinne. And I'd be like, okay, goodbye. (laughs) And it was so hard for me to receive. And then the, you know, it was like, well, just wait and you see, you know, as soon as you know me more. And then that's just armor. And that gets in the way of the connection. So when I had asked Hero the question of what does love mean to you? And it was a question that she talked about earlier in our show. And what I know is I'm learning about love and breaking out some of the rigidness that I had for a long period of time, because for a long time, my rules were love is only for my husband and love is for my children. And I remember, I and my bonus kids as well, that I remember when my daughter was born and she was 10 days old. And we were sitting at the window and she was a bit jaundiced. So I was trying to get sunlight into her and she was on my lap back in the day when she could fit on, you know, just my thighs. And I was looking down at her. And at this point in her life, she's 10 days old, couldn't smile, really couldn't look. She can, you know, cry, which she did a lot of, and she can poop and eat. That's pretty much it. And I remember feeling this powerful love and I went, wow. It was such a tremendous teaching opportunity for me because it wasn't based on what she did or who she was or, you know, even like her smiling at me or appreciating me, especially back then when I was such an approval whore, she was just there and I could feel the love. And so she started help cracking open my definition and my rules about love. And so I'm still really working on exploring and learning about love and what is love. And my hunch is is there's going to be more conversations on the show about it. And when I think right now of what does love mean, for me, it's connection. Love is connection. And so like in that scenario that I talked about with the so-called idiot, right? When I think that and I puff up and it's a power over, there's disconnection. But when I can come from a place of love, we're able to work together in this situation. And 
ultimately that affects a lot of people. So for me right now, it's important to do. But I invite you to think about what does love mean to you? Really think about that and think about, you know, what are all the things that we've attached to it? But what does love mean and how does it feel? I really try to use love to guide me more often. And to listen to that, to pay attention to the tension in my body. And when we did that exercise with Hero, it was so fascinating to watch my body and what transpired in it. So I just want this to be my experience, not yours. So I'm not going to go into further, but what does love mean? And then finally, as we wrap up, as she was talking about this and I was thinking about connection, I think about former guest Joe Bolte Taylor who wrote the New York Times bestseller, My Stroke of Insight, and I'll link it in the show notes. But she talked about from her experience with having a stroke at the age of 37, the one thing that she knew is that we're all connected. So I really think about how can I, and this is from her, be responsible for the energy I bring into a space. And if I bring in love, how much more powerful is that than if I bring in pissed off or angry or frustrated So I really work on that. And there's some arenas in my life, I've been doing it for a really long time. I mean, I probably didn't, I know, I know I've been doing this since I was about 15, 16 years old. The drama of my life, when I would walk on a pool deck, I would leave it at the gate. And I remember telling myself, I leave that at the gate. This is my time to be here now. And so when I walk in as a swim coach, I notice I sometimes take a few deep breaths. And then I open the door and I walk into the pool. I do that when I walk in with my clients or around the phone, but when I get ready to be with a client, I get myself into a place of love and, and I get really connected with myself because that's how I can be the most effective. So I invite you to take a look at what your practices are and they may be in arenas that you've been doing it and weren't even aware of. So just notice. Thanks so much for listening today. And now I have a shout out for a long time listener. And I know this because of emails and then I've actually met her on the road. But Lizzie LaRock, thank you so much for writing the review. And actually, you're the one that included the show for Hero, um, Power and Radiance. And I sent that to her and she emailed me the other day and thanked me for sharing your review. So thank you so much for taking the time and being a longtime listener and going showing up on iTunes. Yay, yay, yay. So for those of you guys who haven't done it yet, please go post your iTunes review of the show. Be honest, be honest. And until next time, I'm smiling big for you. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wide away.